consistent self-improvement everybody you are now listening to american gypsy podcast i'm your host classic and i'm here with my co-host gypsy and today we have hector simodis and he is the co-founder of e-learning partners welcome to the show welcome Thank you so much, Classic and Dipsy, for having me here. I am super pumped to have a great <laughs> evening with you guys. Glad to have We're you. glad to have you. So tell us a little bit about, you know, as far as where you're from, where you are, and, you know, a little bit about e-learning. I appreciate you asking. Well, first of all, I'm a loud and proud Greek, you know, so if I start breaking some plates or taking some shots of Uzo during this <laughs> podcast, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but my my quick story is uh, so uh, my mother and my father, 100 percent Greek. Actually, my brother and I were the first born outside of Greece. Um, and uh, I actually was born and raised in Saudi Arabia. Uh, oh, okay. My parents left Greece in their mid 20s. Uh, they went to well, my dad left first, went to Boston for about a year, went to Chicago where my mom met him. Um, and uh, learn English, you know, built their whole way up, came to the country, no English, you know, a couple hundred bucks in their pocket, you know, one of those classic, you know, stories, hardworking, moving forward. And uh, after about 10 years in the States, my father had the opportunity to uh, work in IT at Saudi Aramco Oil Company. So we moved down to, uh, well, they moved down to Saudi Arabia and I popped out in 1991. So I aged myself. <laughs> I'm 30 years old and uh, rocking and rolling. So, okay, okay. So where are you, where are you now? Uh, right now, I am in the wonderful state of Colorado. I actually came to Denver uh, for university. Um, I went to the University of Denver, and I caught the Colorado bug. You know, uh, I came here before Colorado had the huge spike of people moving here and the popularity. Uh, it was actually very interesting because when I was originally living here, there wasn't, you know, uh, I mean, it was still a, a pretty big city, right? But it just has been skyrocketing since. So it's really cool to have seen, you know, the growth and the continuous growth of the state and people coming here and whatnot. Okay. I haven't had, I've flown through Colorado, um, but I haven't had a lot of experience outside of the airport in Colorado. Sure. Yeah. You know when you're flying in Colorado because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's totally normal. And then as soon as you're in Colorado airspace, it feels like an earthquake is hitting the airplane because it's so dang windy with those mountains. You're just moving yeah. up and down. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, so you know when you're in Colorado. <laughs> always uh, paying attention for some type of weather condition also. So, yeah. How is it like growing up in, in Saudi? Oh, thanks for asking, uh, Gypsy. That's an awesome question. It, it really was an amazing experience. Um, if I could do it over again, I would. Um, I grew up in a melting pot of culture. Um, so even though I grew up in a compound and I went to uh, schools that, you know, were American schools, American system, you know, schools, they follow the American programs. It was such a diverse, you know, uh, group of, of individuals and, and families that lived there. Um, you know, I can show you photos of me standing next to my friends and there's 10 of us in there and there's somebody from Pakistan and Bangladesh, and Australia and Italy and Colombia and whatnot, you know, all sorts of walks of life, culture, religion, uh, backgrounds. Uh, and it was just such a very unique experience. And I would say one of the, the uh, blessings of, of living in Saudi Arabia was the accessibility to the world. Um, you know, here in the United States, uh, especially if, if you live in Colorado um, or California or, or, or whatever the case may be, 
unless you're going to Canada or Mexico, it, it's a commitment to, you know, to get to, to Asia or to Europe or, or whatnot. So, um, you know, here in Colorado to fly to Boston, for example, you know, it's a good five hour flight, you know, to fly from where I was living to Bangkok, Thailand was six hours. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So the world was there in, in our fingertips and my family loves traveling. We love traveling in art and history. Uh, you know, I love books. I love reading. I love education. Um, there is an education though that travel gives that, you know, a book can only give so much, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm a big proponent. I tell everybody travel as much as you can. And I was very blessed to be in a family that we were able to, you know, financially, you know, make that happen. And also location wise, able to travel. And we've been to 39, I've been to 39 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of those countries I've been to multiple, multiple, multiple times. It's a blessing. I don't take it for granted. And I can't wait to travel more as I get older. So how many languages do you have under your belt? So I tell everybody that, you know, at first, you know, because I'm a jokester a little bit, <laughs> I tell everybody I speak about 10 languages. You know, I speak, you know, American and English and Australian <laughs> and Canadian and, you know, so all the English. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Sometimes but, I have a hard time with the British English. <laughs> yeah. Same way I, I'm, it's like I caught some but, uh, of those. But but I only speak two languages. Okay. okay. I only, I speak Greek and English. Those are my two languages. Uh, English primarily. Um, the first words that definitely came out of my mouth were Greek. But you know, growing up in you know in the Middle East and going to American schools, um, you know, uh, uh, grew up speaking English. I go to Greece every single year, so you know I can definitely you know live in Greece and, and you know if I meet somebody from Greece, have you know full conversations with them and whatnot. So. That's interesting. I, I, I would have thought since you grew up in Saudi Arabia, your first language was like Arabic, but you kept the Greek absolutely. <laughs> language. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, um, you, growing up in the compound, um, everybody spoke English and that was kind of the common language, you know, okay. communication because there were so many cultures and backgrounds. I definitely picked up a little bit of Arabic. One, one thing I wish I had done was to, from a young age, take um, you know, classes to learn Arabic since I was there. Um, I went to boarding school. I went to Landmark mm-hmm. High School boarding school in Boston when I was 15 years old. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. I did leave a little bit early, but still, you know, I, I kind of wish I could look, if I could go back, that's actually one thing I would definitely change is get into some Arabic classes, learn the language. I'm there, you know, I could speak it and, you know, with so many different people. Yeah. I still have to grab another language myself at least master another language I've picked up on a small few I've visited. Um, I went to Brazil when I was 15 and kind of, I love doing international travel, but haven't mastered another language. And she's actually East African. She's Eritrean. So yeah, well, that's awesome. And yeah. I kind of had a similar upbringing to where I, I grew up in Ethiopia, but I'm Eritrean. So in the household, like I learned uh, Tigrinya, which is an Eritrean language and then but i lived in ethiopia so of course you had to learn that language and then i went to international school so you had to learn english in order to communicate and and so like i kind of grew up trilingual (laughs) that is so cool oh my gosh you know it's it's so fun that you bring that up gypsy first of all that's so cool you know three different languages that that's amazing and you know it's just my cousins that 
born and raised in Greece, yeah, they speak like three, four languages. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's very, very common, you know, in, in Europe and other countries, other continents where people easily speak, you know, two, three, four languages. Because many of the countries as well, there's like 17 different dialects within that one country. Yeah. You know, that if you drive 30 minutes, you got to know that other dialect. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of people know different languages, you know, so. Yeah, my sister recently went to Turkey and she was saying like how everybody there knows like five languages right off the bat and she was meeting people that knew a whole lot more and it was just like easy for them to pick up a new language. So I think like you got to start early. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you definitely have to start early and uh yeah, you know, I mean, you know, going back to, to my cousins in Greece, you know, especially you know countries like Greece uh, you know, Italy, you know, as well. Another one is, you know, their their main language, Italian, Greek. Not a lot of people speak it outside of their of their home country, you know. So I know I can at least speak for Greece, you know, not not for Italy, but at least for Greece, I can say that, you know, they put their kids as soon as possible learning how to speak English because, you know, if you want to do business outside of Greece, if you want to go to school outside of Greece, if you want to do anything outside of Greece, you have to know English. Right. You know, or even travel. You know what I mean? Um, So, um, of course, technology has helped a lot. You know, a little Google Translator can help you out now, which is awesome, Uh, which I've definitely used when when I've been in countries where there was clearly a language barrier. So we communicated through our arms and whatever Google Translator (laughs) can do for us. Uh, But, uh, you know, so but it's it's uh, you know, that's one thing here in the United States. I I feel like uh, one of the many things that we take for granted, which is, uh, you know, just being blessed to, to be born in a country where we, we speak English, which is basically the world's language at this yeah. point. Um, and I, I feel like one reason why the the average person here in the United States doesn't speak more than, than English is because it's, we don't have to quote unquote, right? You know, because everybody speaks English, you know, in a way, you know. Yeah. But it's definitely good for the brain. It is. To have those multiple languages. hundred percent. Yeah. And I got Duolingo on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, while we're still on the topic of Greece, I feel like I have to ask if you had to recommend like three islands for people to visit in Greece. Oh, great question. So my favorite island is the island of Milos. Yes. Milos is, I went there for the first time um, last summer. And I absolutely fell in love. Uh, a lot of people, you if if uh, for those of you listening, if you know the famous Aphrodite, uh, that was found in Milos, uh, okay. the Afro Aphrodite of Milos, um, and I believe um, it's now in the uh, uh, the Louvre in France. Um, however, Milos is is an amazing um, island, and what it's known for it, it's it's beautiful beaches, the food for. Okay. Food's ridiculous. Like, it's just amazing. However, their beaches are just magical. The colors that you'll see in the water are magical. I mean, there are so many different beaches in Milos, and all of them have their own Mm -hmm. characteristics, their own personalities, own colors. Uh, I mean, there's some beaches, there's a, there's a beach called Sarakinikos where that's you literally favorite. think you're on the moon. You, you lit right. You literally think you're on the moon. You're yeah, like, that's Star the Wars beautiful. was filmed here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for the you know, listeners as well that don't know, um, we had our wedding in Santorini 
and actually had our um, honeymoon or at um, in, in Milos. Milos Island. Yeah, and we can agree that it is definitely an amazing experience. Oh. Yeah, I've never did, seen a place with tour. so many like unique beach. Like each one looks completely different from the others. Yeah, interesting. It's it's so cool. Yeah, you know, and I, first of all, I love that. I think that is so cool. You know, married in Santorini, honeymoon in Milos. Like I'm gonna do. <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm not yeah. gonna do that. You know, like, yeah, that's awesome. I would de- highly um, recommend it. Yeah. Say it again, classic. Now, I said I highly, I highly recommend it. Yeah, as far as getting married, mm-hmm. there. yeah, yeah. I, I'm so pumped. Like, I, I cannot. It's going to be a huge celebration. And you know, it, it, so Milos is one. And then one last thing I'll say about Milos, which is really cool and unique. A lot of the beaches you actually can't get by foot or by car. So they yeah. actually have little boats that you know take you to the different beaches that they literally take you to the beach and you jump in the water right from the boat and they have like the three hour boat the eight hour boat like the 14 hour one that basically circles the whole entire island so really milos is an experience um and you know it's just such an amazing place Uh, my second island uh that i absolutely love um and just has a lot of character as well is crete crete Mm. is huge it is a huge, okay. Like if I were to blindfold you and take you to Crete and said, hey, you're in Athens, like the mainland, you would think you're in the mainland because it, it really, really is huge. Okay. Um, I mean, to go from, you know, one side to the other, not to circle, just one side to the other takes like five hours. Uh, okay. But Crete is a gorgeous, gorgeous island, a lot of history, a lot of amazing food. Actually, fun fact about Crete. Um, in the in the mainland in Athens, there are supermarkets that literally everything in that supermarket comes from Crete. Crete can be completely sustainable on its own, uh, nice. they, you know, from the food to the to, to, to anything that you can imagine. Uh, it's an amazing island. Um, and then the third island that I really really like as well. Um, so this one is uh, uh, it's right next. So everybody knows Mykonos. This one is right next to Mykonos. Um, it's called Paros, uh, P-A-R-O-S. I absolutely love Paros um, as well. Uh, it's really fun, too, because if you go to Paros, you can take little day trips. You know, like Mykonos mm-hmm. is right next door, and there's a few other islands just right next door. So you can actually kill a few birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paros is another amazing island. There was great food, great wine, nice beaches, best beaches in Milos, but they mm-hmm. have nice beaches in, in Paros. And one last thing I will say is that an island I've not been to that um, I hear nothing but amazing things. And it goes head to head uh, with like if you go to Greeks and you say, where are the most beautiful beaches? You know, it's it's a fight between Milos and Rhodes. Rhodes. Rhodes is an amazing island, beautiful island, great food. I've heard nothing but amazing things. And their beaches are also gorgeous. However, I do hear that Milos typically pulls forward for the win in the end. But if you're just look, I just want nice beaches, good food, not, you know, too much partying, right? You know, mm-hmm. Mykonos is known for, I mean, that, that it doesn't sleep there. I mean, they're partying all day, all night. Right. But, yeah. um, uh, Milos is uh, Milos is one. Rhodes is another. And then, last but not least, I promise the last one because there's so many <laughs> islands. Really. I know. Um, so <laughs> there was a whole book uh, written about the blue zones uh, around the world. And the blue zones are the areas around the world where people live the longest. And they wanted to research why. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the blue zones is in Greece, and it's in an, on an island called Ikaria. Ikaria is an amazing island filled with life, 
The energy there is amazing. Um, I mean, it's just another gorgeous island I haven't been to. Um, I We have some friends that are from there. I've seen photos and videos from there, especially during the festivals. And it's just nothing but amazing vibes, great people, and great food. So if anybody's looking to go to Greece, give me give me a holler. I would love to help you out with your trip <laughs> because I get so excited when people go down there. <laughs> I'm definitely going back. I know, right? Yeah. Now we've yes. got new recommendations. Yeah, we've gotten into <laughs> snorkeling pretty good since um, we've been since we got married in 2017. So now, yeah, I'm definitely going back with the whole snorkel kit. Looking to get into some more snorkeling. I brought rocks back last time, though. I did collect some <laughs> a lot of crystals. Oh, well, not crystals, but rocks. Yeah, just pebbles off the beach and stuff. They're really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love doing that too. There's a few 14ers that um, you know, fourteen thousand foot mountains here in Colorado. We have like fifty two, fifty three or so. Um, and at the top of every one, I always, I always grab one, right? You know, I haven't been to every one. I've only done like 13 or 14, but, you know, it's always fun to, you know, bring back some, some of those memories, you know, like this was, you know, from top of the mountain or this pebble was from, you know, this beach and, you know, in Santorini or whatnot. It's always fun. There's always a story uh, tied to it as well. So. Yeah. yeah. And for our listeners, if you want to check out um, any videos of Milos and Santorini, you can check it out on our YouTube channel. And that's American Gypsy YouTube channel. It'll be under Girl Hurry Up. It's actually a song that I wrote, some of my music. So it's a, we took the videos and put it along with uh, the song. So it's a lyric video. Yeah, that's what it is. So definitely that's check awesome. it out. I'm going to have to check it out. That's yeah. so cool. And we did do the whole tour around the whole island, you know, so you'll see some oh. of those beaches and stuff where we got um, jumped off and things like that, jumped off the boat. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see the famous sunset? Yeah, oh yeah, uh, in Ia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yep, that's it. You yeah. know, it's just. Uh, I remember when I went. You know, there was like hundreds of people there, and as soon as the sun went down, everybody starts clapping and cheering. And, Woo! Oh <laughs> yeah, so I think cool. the yeah. video <laughs> opens up with that. Yeah, it's like it actually always... opens up with me playing my cello in Ia. Isn't oh yeah, that? yeah. No I took my cello and played. <laughs> I had to. So yeah. cool! You play the cello. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That is so sweet. So it's a lot in one video, I guess. Yeah. So, so how did you get into e-learning and tell us a little bit about that platform? Yeah, e-learning partners. Sure. Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um so uh I'll I'll give you guys a the, the little longer version, um, if that's okay, oh, yeah, uh, you know, because, you know, th this, this company, you know, when we, st we started this company because of passion, because of purpose, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting a company. I, I just want to make money. Nothing wrong with that. Right. However, definitely wanted to, you know, start a company that had a true emotional meaning, um, that, you know, I wake up and get excited every single day, not from the revenue aspect, but more from the impact aspect side of things. Um, so growing up in, in, in Saudi Arabia, uh, first, I've always had a love for entrepreneurship, always had a love for entrepreneurship. Um, I opened up an American candy shop when I was living in Saudi Arabia. I wasn't the first, you know, so I can't say I was the first, but, you know, I had some competitors that I, uh, you know, copied, if you will. Uh, back in the day when you could travel with two suitcases, not one, that were 72 pounds, not 52. And I took 144 pounds of candy back to Saudi Arabia and opened up a, a candy store. Uh, when I when we were visiting the United States, I opened up a candy store when I was 13. Uh, but I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. 
Um, you know, the candy store, one day I vanished and I was knocking on doors with the, with the rake asking people to rake their leaves. And my parents got a phone call saying, you know, your son is knocking on people's doors, raking people's leaves. You know, so I've always had this love for entrepreneurship um, growing up. And, you know, it, going back to what I was sharing earlier about traveling, a travel really impacted me um, in, in, many dif- in many different ways. And the way that it really just shaped who I am and, you know, what I got extremely passionate about um, was education. Uh, because when I was traveling to developing countries specifically, education was not just their way out, but more importantly, a way for them to reinvest in their communities to help their communities thrive. They weren't hoping for a snow day. They were just hoping to afford the next day to go to school. Mm. You know, there was just a completely different perspective. I remember when I was in Cambodia, I went to go visit there with my family and we were in a tourist location. There were multiple tour groups there from all parts of the world. And all of a sudden about, you know, 15, 20 kids local to the region came running up to us. Um, They didn't have any shoes. Their, you know, shirts were ripped, you know, shorts were ripped clearly in poverty. And they were going up to every single group and in perfect English were asking everybody, not for money, but where are you from? And whenever somebody would say the country, they would immediately shout out the capital city of that country, you know, Greece, Athens, you know, England, London. And I remember that just had a really big impact on me. I turned to the tour guide and I, you know, or sorry, the tour guide turned to us and with a big smile on his face. And he said, you know, to these kids, education is everything. It's a way out of their circumstance, but a way to come back and help their communities thrive. And I fell in love with that because I grew up with learning differences. I'm dyslexic through the roof. Um, And I realized that I was very blessed. I was extremely blessed to have an amazing family, a supportive family. Because remember back then, dyslexia, you know, wasn't too well researched. You know, you were lazy back then, right? You know, but my parents, you know, were very forward thinking and were doing the research and, you know, knew, you know, that there was learning differences. I don't call them uh, disabilities differences. Um, And then also I was uh, very blessed to have a family that could also financially support me education is already expensive you have a learning difference times that by like 17 it's Mm -hmm. very very expensive and i didn't take that for granted so when i went to a boarding school the boarding school that i went to landmark high school incredible high school is a school that helps students with learning differences and you couldn't get accepted in the school unless you had learning differences specifically dyslexia so i got admitted to the school that school really shaped me and and, and changed my life. Um, and really, you know, till this day, I, I can't thank that school enough. Um, and going into university, and I went to the University of Denver because Landmark had a great relationship. And the University of Denver has, if not the best, one of the best collegiate programs helping students with learning differences. Um, when I was going to university, I knew that I wanted to give back. I wanted to give back in education. And I also wanted to get back to my favorite channel, entrepreneurship. So another blessing was I met my best friend and co-founder till this day uh, on the first day of university. Um, uh, we were on the same floor in our, uh, in our dormitories. And, uh, you know, Johnny Havy 
we met, we connected, we clicked, we became friends. He had an interest in business. I had an interest in business. He studied accounting and film. I studied marketing and international business. We had a lot of classes together. We started businesses together. Uh, and we just had an incredible friendship. We loved people. We loved education. We loved entrepreneurship. We graduated from the University of Denver. And, and also, I do want to say that I was very blessed, uh, again, in going in my senior year, I had a professor, Peter Whalen, and at the end of the class, he really saw something in me, and he said, Hector, I want to take you out to lunch. So we go to lunch, Greek restaurant, of course, uh, and uh, he basically looks at me and says, you know, Hector, you are born an entrepreneur, and I want to teach you how to do it. And I said, I want to do it. You know, that's something I've always loved. You know, I just don't know where to start. And he's like, well, you know, what do you got going on after college? I'm like, well, I have an uh, internship lined up with Northwestern Mutual, uh, an amazing company, big company uh, that could lead to a full time job. And he's like, well, listen, I want to teach you entrepreneurship, but you're going to have to choose, you know, the corporate route, which you would do great in. And there's nothing wrong going with the corporate route. But if you want to do entrepreneurship, you, uh, I want you to be all in independent study with me and we're going to hit the ground running and start something. So called up Northwestern Mutual that day, said thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and uh, went off with, with Peter Whalen, um, who was amazing and, and thank until this day for being one of Johnny and I's biggest mentors and biggest believers uh, from the start. So we graduated college uh, after about, you know, eight, nine months. Uh, Johnny was working at PwC as a CPA. I was, you know, doing odd jobs on the side. And together in the evening, we were working on the entrepreneurial dream. We finally went all in. We pushed the chips in. We're like, let's do this, baby. Let's go. So, you know, after the first few years of, you know, building our, our name and, and getting out there and, you know, building the business and learning and falling and growing and all those things, uh, finally, our company, eLearning Partners, was born. We were VP Legacies before, but we rebranded to eLearning Partners. Um, and what eLearning Partners does in a nutshell um, is we help companies successfully build, launch, and distribute e-learning programs for their employees and online courses for their customers. We work on the professional services side of e-learning. So what that means is that we are not um, a technology company. We are not a learning management system. We are not an authoring tool, which is basically a technology platform that allows you to build content to, that lives on learning management systems. We work on the professional services side of e-learning. So for example, many of our clients, they come to us and they say, hey, listen, you know, we are very, very, let me, we have chief operating officers, for instance, that knock on our door and say, you know what, we know that e-learning would save us time and money on operations such as onboarding. We just don't know where to start. We're overwhelmed with the e-learning process. You know, we've tried to do a couple of things, but it does just doesn't work out. Our employees aren't engaging or, you know, whatever the challenge may be. On the flip side, we have chief executive officers. They come to us because we want to build a new revenue stream and we want to take the knowledge that we have in our company, create courses and distribute it and sell it, you know, but we're anxious. Are we going to get a return on investment? I've heard a lot of horror stories. How do we do this? Right. You know, so our goal is to listen to their e-learning challenges, understand what resources they already have, because we're not here to demand and conquer or fire anybody or push anybody away. Right. We're here to understand what resources do they already have working towards solving those challenges and how do we fit in respectively. Right. And lately what we're doing um, is 
we're now really growing the digital side of our business. And what we mean by that is, you know, we met as a company and we said, you know what? We want to serve as many people as possible. We want to impact as many people as possible. We can grow a company to a thousand employees, but there's only so many people we can deploy our services to and do this consulting and strategy and content development that we do. But if we build the digital product side of our business, if we take our if we take our knowledge and build the course out of it, and we start adding to that that course catalog, and we start doing coaching and wherever that digital side goes, we can now impact and touch thousands of people. So we've developed our own course uh, that basically teaches our system, and we're now putting so much focus on that, and we have incredible free content that we're giving out. We believe in giving. We have a YouTube channel uh, where we're giving away amazing free content, everything and anything about e-learning, simplifying e-learning. Uh, the name of the channel currently is e-learning simplified, but we're about to change it to e-learning partners. Um, and, you know, we have a free masterclass where people can go on there. And, you know, this free masterclass basically teaches the three pillars of e-learning and how to guarantee success, whether if you're developing an online course or an e-learning program, no matter where you are, you know, whether if you're just starting or well along your way, and we actually do actionable exercises with you in that masterclass to set you up for success, you know, as you continue your e-learning journey. Um, and right now, you know, we're taking all this knowledge and success that we've done for companies. And now we're really pull it, putting fuel on that fire on the digital side, growing, you know, and, and, and wanting to make sure that we can impact not just, you know, companies and, and solarpreneurs, but also hundreds of thousands of companies and solarpreneurs as we can offer something digitally around the world. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys, um, I guess, I guess you say setting up when it comes to setting, I guess I think I had two questions. One that I was um, about rebranding and also I guess the one about more about the program. Let me go back to the one about rebranding. I wanted to ask what was, what, what's one of the reasons that companies would um, or to rebrand and what are some of the, like the pros and cons that come along with rebranding? That's a great question. Great question. So one of the biggest reasons, you know, for, for rebranding, and I'll speak from, from our lens as well, is your name is the first interaction that a company or a person will have with you, right? Mm -hmm. And I understand that it's hard to find small domain names and small names, and, and I totally get that, right? At the end of the day, though, when it comes to rebranding, and the reason why we rebranded is because when you say your name, you want people to at least get some sort of a sense of what does this company do? What world do they play in? You know, to give them a little bit of a taste for them to see it, right? You know, because right now we're all of us are doing a lot of stuff online, right? Whether if it's mm -hmm. through LinkedIn or other types of social media or online platforms. And many times people just see our name and the name is going to be a reason why they're going to click on whatever it is that we have, right? You know, so our old name, which was VP Legacies, you know, didn't really do justice on who we are, right? When when we started to ask our customers and, and clients, what does VP Legacies tell you? A lot of people thought finance, real estate, you know, it's just, I don't know, you know, and we're like, yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, so we decided to rebrand to e-learning partners. And there's a few reasons why we decided to do that. Number one, when you hear e-learning partners, you know, okay, don't know what this company does, but I know they're in e-learning e because e-learning is in their name. 
right? You I know, would think so electronic we learning, talk, yeah. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, they do something in electronic work. Right. You know, so at least, you know, you have a sense of already what we do without even going to our website or, or talking to me or or anybody on our team or, or listening to a podcast. The next thing when you rebrand um, is and this is what we did is we asked our clients. We asked our clients and our past clients and our partners and our community that have worked with us that have, you know, uh, have engaged with us, whether it be on a client level or a partnership level or whatever it was. And we went with them with 14, 15 different names. And we actually had voting on what people not just liked the most, but what resonated with them emotionally, right? And the reason why we ultimately came to e-learning partners is because not only was that the one that was voted the most, like, you know, we we did one voting round, then we did a second, then a final, right? Uh, but Everybody said that when we work with you guys, you guys care. You care. We feel like that you always have us in our best interest. You hold us accountable and you're truly a partner to us. We feel like you're an extension of our team. So even though we had a lot of different e-learning this and e-learning that type of names, everybody loved e-learning partners because they said you guys not only do great job and great work when it comes to e-learning, but you really have a partnership mentality. So, you know, that that's a big, you know, so when you're rebranding, first is, you know, make sure that ask, maybe your name is okay, right? You know, but really it's, we wanted to simplify it and we wanted to give people an idea of who we were if they just heard our name. And also we selected our name based on our clients and past clients. We came up with 14, 15 different names that we liked. And we also had like an other section, which is, are there any other names that you guys recommend? And through some time, you know, we ultimately landed on e-learning partners. The pros and the cons of that, of course, the pros is, you know, it's always, there's something, you know, from an internal perspective, there's something always cool, new and fresh when you have a new name and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, another pro is, uh, again, when you do it, you're doing it, if, if you do it the right way, then you're doing it in a way where now more of your clients and prospective clients are going to resonate with your name more, right? So that actually helps, you know, with the recognition of your company. Um, and then the, uh, the, the other pro um, is, uh, again, you're simplifying it, right? You're simplifying it and you're making it more targeted towards what you do as a company, right? Now, the cons, I would really say, you know, I'm sure that there's different cons out there, that there's different areas where people would say, this is probably con, this is con, this. But the biggest con is that it just takes time, right? You know, yeah. it takes time, um, you know, for people, you know, to get used in, to the in marketing, name. you have a hundred percent in marketing. You have the, uh, you have the, uh, you have the, the four P's and one of those P's is positioning, right? Where does your company and, and your company name in the minds of your customers? And that's always the hardest thing to change, especially in a world today when, you know, we have a thousand advertisements, a thousand things through our phones, through our computers that are hitting us, right? You know, so get, you know, so that was one of our challenges when we were rebranding, you know, kind of, getting people, oh yeah, e-learning partners, you know, this is what you guys are focusing on and, and whatnot. So that just takes time, consistency, and persistence. But long-term, it's going to serve you uh, way better. Okay. I appreciate you for sharing that with me. Earlier, yeah, you, of course. you mentioned um, learning management system. I think that's what, and I've I've heard of. I'm a developer, so I've heard of content management system, but I wasn't aware that there was like, 
content management system for e-learning is that um a lot are a lot of like e-learning um materials on these platforms are their platforms specifically for uh, you know online course creation that is a great question gypsy thank you so much for bringing that up um you know so there's a whole alphabet soup uh, in e-learning, you know, with different types of platforms and whatnot. And actually on our YouTube channel, you know, we, we talk about, you know, learning management systems, LMSs versus LXPs. Uh, mm. That's a piece of content that's coming out soon, you know, so definitely check out the YouTube channel, learn all of, you know, different about technology. And we're adding more and more about that, but yeah, you have content management systems, you have learning management systems, you have uh, uh, LXPs, basically learning experience platforms. You have, you know, business management systems, right. And they're all, you know, they all have their own definitions, but many of them just kind of all interconnect, right. You know, so the learning management system, the basic bare bones of a learning management system is not just where you can put content on, right, and have a course, but specifically, it's collecting data, respective to the content that you have, right. So people have learning management systems, right. Uh, but the content that you create, there's learning management systems that also have their own um, authoring tool, content creation tool inside of the learning management system. And then there's learning management systems where they don't have that. So you need to create the content outside and then bring it inside, right? You know, so it, it can get a little bit, you know, kind of confusing uh, or whatnot, right? You know, but at the end of the day, when it comes to technology and platforms and e-learning, what you want to look at is most importantly, what do your learners want, right? Learners are the most important part to e-learning. And I can't tell you how many times classic and gypsy people lose sight of the learner. I know this because our company's built on learners. And every one of our clients have shared the reason why they love our process is because it's a learner-centric process. It was built by learners for learners to help companies with their learners, right? You know, so when it comes to technology and, you know, should we have a, you know, a technology platform that includes everything, the content piece, the data analytics piece, the marketing piece, the this piece, the, you know, what we tell everybody is that you have to understand who your learners are, most importantly, right? You know, what type of platform and engagement are they looking for? And then also what you need from the administrative side, right? The mm -hmm. back end. Um, and then we tell everybody you have internal and external learning management systems. A lot of these learning management systems out there, one of our favorites, Talent Learning, uh, Talent LMS, for example, they primarily are focused on internal type trainings, right? They can do external, right? And the way we define internal, external, internal is for employees. External is for selling to customers and whatnot, right? Every learning management system can, you know, dabble in both, but many times they take a position or where they really put, you know, their, their focus on. So Talent LMS, one of our favorite ones, an amazing partner of ours, um, they do, um, they specifically focus on the internal side for employees. And then uh, another, just an external example, another one that we love, Kajabi. We love Kajabi. We use Kajabi. Um, they focus on the external side, right? You know, so they have a couple of other features and functionalities um, that allow them to, you know, help companies that are trying to sell courses and distribute courses and whatnot. So, um, sorry, I kind of went on a little ramble there, yeah, you know, good. on, you know, kind of expanding on the question, but, you know, that's a big thing. Technology is a big thing. Obviously, like you said, classic electronic learning, that's what the E and the e-learning stands for. You've got to have technology, you know, and there's different types of technologies and platforms. And it's just navigating through the alphabet soup 
making sure you're finding something that's right for your learners, right for your company and bringing it all together. Okay. What are, so say someone is trying to create an online course, what are some things that they need to think about or consider before they even start? Some of the most important things. Oh, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful question. Um, and again, I, I keep dropping the YouTube channel just because that is why we're developing the YouTube channel because there's so many questions with e-learning, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where do we start? Or maybe we're, we've already started, but we're having challenges. Or, you know, what's the best LMS to choose? Or how do I create content? Or the different types of content. And, you know, there's so many questions and we're trying to just provide an amazing resource just filled with free content, you know, that is actionable and high value. So uh, when somebody is looking to create a course, right, there's a few things to, to take note of. Uh, the first is it's about your learners, right? It is about your learners. Now, Hector, what if I don't really know my learners? What if I'm just getting started and, and whatnot, right? You know, so what we tell everybody is that, of course, if you want to create a course, you have a process or a system or a coaching program that you want to create based on your knowledge and experience and you want to take it to the market, right? So really quickly, that's a big thing that we do in the free masterclass. We do a couple of these exercises to help people start identifying uh, what, um, you know, where to start in their e-learning journey, right? But the way you create a course is based on your learner's challenges. It's based on your learner's challenges, their pain points. And it's your system, your method, your process that you're piecing together that you're going to provide to your learner to overcome that challenge, right? A, a lot of people get very excited with course creating. I want to create this 15 plus hour module and I want to do this and I want to do that. And that's great. Have that big vision, have those aspirations, right? But let's start small, right? Let's start small and then let's grow from there, right? Because when we start small, we can start testing. We can start getting content in front of our learners as soon as possible. And then as we learn more about our learners and their wants and their needs, we can then scale and grow from there. So what we tell everybody is write down, get a piece of paper, right? And write down 10 challenges, right? And if not 10, five challenges, right? That you're helping people solve through your process, your system, the course that you want to create, right? Mm -hmm. And out of all of those problems, right? what would you say is the biggest one, right? Out of all those problems, let's get really focused, right? Let's get really focused. And boom, there you go. You have a core area on where you can start developing your process and course around that is solving a major problem. Now, when we tell everybody to start, one thing we recommend is don't do a 15-hour course, right? Do a smaller course, maybe 60 minutes or maybe 45 minutes broken up into microlearning. You don't have to get fancy. You don't have to go get a studio and a whole film crew and whatnot, right? Smartphones are one of the best devices to get started on, right? Get content in front of your learners as soon as possible. So start, what are the challenges that you're helping learners solve, right? Focus on the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge out of all of them, right? Create a, a smaller course, 60 minute, you know, 30 minute, you know, micro course that helps those learners solve those challenges. Develop that content, embrace the 80% rule, create that content, and then get it in front of your learners as soon as possible to start receiving feedback, right? And then from there, 
you can grow from there. You can pivot, you can add, you know, you can start creating your longer version. And most importantly, you're giving your learners results right away. So we just try to simplify everything because it can get very overwhelming. It can get very, you know, for example, I was on a call uh, two days ago with a, with a prospective partner. We call our clients partners and just all these amazing dreams and aspirations. You know, we want to do this. We want to create this 15 hours and coaching and high ticket items and super high ticket items and this, 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 that. I'm like, that is amazing. That's a great vision. He looked at me though, and he's like, you know what? You know, I, I may be, you know, a few months out before I can start. I'm like, that's totally fine. What if we were just to focus on the main challenge, build a mini course from that, and then expand and grow from there? Because Gypsy, here's another thing about online learning, right? It's a long-term game, right? It's a long-term game. You're, I'm sure many of the listeners out there, if you guys go to Google, you know, you start, you know, I want to create a course, you know, and whatnot. There's a lot of these advertisements, create your course in, you know, 15 days and make 80 grand and whatnot, right? You know, which we don't really believe in that model. We believe in a long-term model, right? Because mm-hmm. like bamboo, right? We like bamboo, four to five years, bamboo, which is one of the strongest woods in the, in the world is growing its roots underneath, right? It barely sprouts up from the surface, from what we can see, but underneath it's growing its roots. And then all of a sudden in 30 days, it grows 90 feet, right? So let's think about that because we're creating something for the long term. And if you're thinking of developing a course, you're also thinking of developing a course that will bring you recurring revenue. So you don't have to be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week because you're creating this automated evergreen course that is creating impact to the masses. <laughs> you, you got me smiling with the bamboo We've, I know, we've right? had this question. I think we even mentioned it on one of the other podcasts when we saw um, that the young lady had a, a bamboo plant, but we've had a bamboo plant, a little small one, and we've had it for a few years. And it felt, I was wondering like this spring, it seemed like it just all of a sudden just started growing, you know, but we've had it for about two years and was wondering, and with you mentioning that it grows its roots first and then it starts growing up. I was like, Oh, okay. Cause it started growing really fast. It grows like maybe mm-hmm. uh, a leaf, a new leaf, maybe like every two days. Now you can see another one coming out and it's funny, but that's, that's amazing. You mentioned that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love bamboo, right. You know, cause you know, we live in a world classic gypsy of instant gratification, right? We you know we want it now. We want results now, right? We want to be on the peak of the mountain, but there's a journey. There's a journey to get there, right? And to us, you know, we really believe in taking that journey without any shortcuts. You know, a lot of those, you know, just to be transparent and frank, a lot of the, I'm not marking down the amazing people out there that are, you know, bringing results, you know, within 90 days, make, you know, 80 grand on your first launch or whatnot. Right. But what's happening behind the scenes? I'm not saying this for everybody. Right. You know, I don't want to assume generally what have we seen? What's happening behind the scenes? Right. One of two things, the person that's creating the course already has a massive following or list to market to. Right. We're talking to a lot of people. I don't have an email list. I don't have any followers. I'm starting from ground zero. That's okay. That's fine. Right. We're thinking a long term here. Right. You know, so it's okay. And then the other thing that is typically behind happening behind the scenes is they're spending thousands upon thousands of dollars of pay-per-click advertising, PPC, and other sorts of paid advertising. Nothing wrong with paid advertising. It has a lot of positives. But our mindset is what if we, like Bamboo, built the roots, built organically, right, build the right way, and then we're just going to scale and we're going to hockey stick. You know, it won't happen right away. 
but it'll happen down the line, whether it be a year or two years, that hockey stick, that growth. And it's also sustainable. You're creating a sustainable automated course selling machine. One that doesn't need PPC and paid advertising all the time. So I get really passionate about this because one thing, it's not a tagline yet. I won't be surprised if it becomes some sort of tagline, but we believe that no expertise should go unlearned. No expertise should go unlearned. And this goes back to me personally, my passion, right? You know, one, one person that gets an education, right? It could change their life. It could change their family's life. It could change their community. It could have a whole impact on their country, right? And there's so many smart people like you, Gypsy, and like you, Classic, that have done so much and are continuously doing so much that that expertise that you've learned and you're continuously learning should not go unlearned because it's that very expertise that could change a person, change a family, change a community, change a country. And we believe that everybody's expertise should go out there, should be learned. And if we can make that accessible and not overwhelming and easily digestible, Oh, that's where I get excited, right? Because I don't want people to get overwhelmed and discouraged, right? It does take time. But if we think long-term, it's sustainable, it is scalable, and more importantly, you're going to be touching the lives of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions around the world. I think that's a good strategy for most online businesses in general. <laughs> Do you help people with, I guess, marketing strategy and all of that as well? I appreciate you asking. Um, you know, one of the programs that we currently have, um, you know, focuses on uh, the marketing and, and the sales side, um, you know, where we know courses very, very well and how to develop a, a sales funnel, um, how the whole entire backend infrastructure works, and then how um, and then how you build or how you build content marketing is what we really focus on and let that over time, you know, feed your, your sales funnel and whatnot. So uh, the answer is, is yes. Um, we love doing that. We love helping people with that because I'll tell you this uh, classic and gypsy, there, there's three pillars to e-learning, right? Three pillars. A lot of people think it's steps, but it's pillars, right? So let me tell you what people typically think when they think e-learning. Step one, I got to find a technology, which is actually the biggest mistake um, in e-learning. And I can get into that a little in a, in a little bit here. The second um, is uh, okay. Now that we found the technology, now we got to build content. And the third, after you know a year or two years has passed by now of finding this technology and making the content, let's now distribute it. Right? We look at e-learning as the three pillars: technology, content, and distribution. Where you are building those pillars together at the same time, day one. We're having distribution conversations day one. So for the listeners out there that are about to build a course or maybe they're in the process of developing a course, start talking about distribution today, right now. Even if you don't have any content created yet, even if you haven't selected your learning management system, start talking about distribution right now. Because what we have seen time and time again, Gypsy and Classic, is that people spend all this time and effort and sweat equity and resources and dollars and euros and all that stuff developing this this huge course on this huge platform and then all of a sudden they're like now what do we do right and we don't want you to fall into i don't want to call it a trap right but we don't want you to we don't want you to feel that pressure because what happens right not to all but what happens is that people start getting desperate they start getting desperate oh my god we're not getting any sales what the heck is going on right you know we need to start spending all this money on ppc and paid advertising and whatnot and let me tell you something classic and gypsy 
We did it. We made that mistake. You are talking to people that have made the mistakes, right? And we have developed our whole entire process over the years on how to not make the same mistakes that we make. We don't want you to make the same mistakes out there, right? You know, and one of those big mistakes was not talking about distribution, not, you know, uh, not having that part of the conversation from day one. That's great information. Is it expensive, out of curiosity, to... Um to start an all uh, online course or a training program? It doesn't need to be expensive. And that's the cool thing. A lot of people are like, ah, oh, you know, I got to, I got to find a learning management system that costs, you know, 10 grand a year. And then I got to get a film crew to, to shoot everything. And it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. And then I got to get a marketing team and I got to get this and I got to get that. Uh-uh. Nope. Take our free masterclass. <laughs> Definitely take our free masterclass, right? Uh, but in addition to that, in addition to that free masterclass, you have a process. You have a system. You know your learner's biggest challenges, right? You have a smartphone. Most of us have a smartphone, right? All you need is a smartphone. Or right now, I'm on my computer or your computer camera, right? There's a couple of coaches uh, and mentors that we've worked with that develop courses and we've learned from. And they're making seven figures a year and they're using their smartphones and their computer cameras, right? What people want is value. People want to transform. So what we tell everybody is stop being distracted by all the fancy features and benefits and the shiny new objects and focus on number the main thing, your learners. What are their biggest challenges in developing content around that, right? There are a lot of learning management systems out there when it's time to put that content. By the way, we're not anti-technology. We love technology, right? The reason why I said it earlier, the biggest mistake people make is they focus all their energy and time on technology is because I can't tell you how many times Gypsy and Classic, I have seen companies spend not just thousands of hours, but thousands of dollars trying to find the perfect technology. And after finally deploying it after 12 months or 14 months or however long it took, they nixed it after 90 days because they didn't talk to their learner and they have to go through the whole process again. Right. So you focus on the learner. We actually talk about, we have YouTube videos about this too. You know what, what's one great LMS. We call it the Excel MS use Excel, right? Use Google as you're starting to build. Cause if you're providing value and you're solving problems, whether if it's on the most fancy LMS or on something so basic, you know, like what we like to call the Excel Google sheet, if you will, people will take it right so smartphone which you already have your knowledge your process which you already have there are great if you don't want to use the excel ms that's totally fine there are great other learning management systems that are you know 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or you know we personally use kajabi the reason why we like to use kajabi it looks expensive at first it's 120 a month, I believe, off the top of my head, the month-to-month version. And then, you know, it gets cheaper if you get the annual one. And there's different packages, but they have a website builder. They do hosting. They do video hosting. They do email sequencing. They do learning management system. They do webinars, live webinars. They do it all, right? So even though $120 a month, that's like a lot, right? Well, you, if you start using MailChimp, if you start, you know, using, you know, company, uh, other softwares, you know, to, uh, for, for landing pages, other softwares for email campaigns, other softwares for website building, other softwares mm-hmm. for hosting that all adds up. Right. You yeah. know, so your time, a, uh, very basic learning management system. I mean, heck 
you know, let's just take Kajabi, right? Kajabi, let's say 120 bucks a month. You got everything. You don't need anything else. You literally have everything. You have our, if you go to e-learning, e-learningpartners.com, Kajabi. You got an email from us, Kajabi. Free master class, Kajabi. Email sequence, Kajabi, right? It's all in that umbrella, right? You know, yeah. so um, it's very inexpensive. What it's going to take more of from dollars is time right? It's going to be your time. Um, and that's okay. That's normal, right? Because, you know, remember bamboo, right? We're building biggest yeah. challenge, right? Let's not get excitable. Biggest challenge, develop a course around that biggest challenge, right? 60 minutes, put it up at the micro learnings, right? So you have your, like I said, let's say Kajabi, you have $120 a month there, right? Mm -hmm. You have your time. If you're not a video editor, right? If you have a, if you have an iMac or you know, uh, a Mac, uh, a MacBook. I know there's, I believe it's garage band, you know, but again, it, you just need basic editing. So Fiverr Upwork, you can find somebody to do, you know, 15, 20 bucks a video, if you will, just to get started. I mean, how many micro learnings are going to be in an hour? Let's, let's say it's like 20, right. You know, so for less than, you know, 500 bucks, we'll say, you can have a course out there and live testing, getting feedback and getting people to purchase as well. Right. You know, okay. so um, it doesn't have to be expensive and that's, it shouldn't be expensive. Yeah. Oh, and I'll say one more thing. Many learning management systems talking about technology. They have a lot of free trials. They yeah. have a lot of free trials, you know? So what we tell everybody is, you know, before you commit and a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm going to buy the annual right away. Right. What we tell everybody is, hey, go take the free trial, right? Take it when you're ready to upload your content. Take the free trial, upload your content, right? And then after you test it in that time, um, I can also share with you guys our, our affiliate with Kajabi. Uh, instead of a 14-day free trial, they do a 28-day free trial. So I can share that where you can go have a trial and go check it out, right, for a longer extended period. Uh, but do the free trial. And then after that free trial, do the month to month for a couple of months. Make sure it's something that you and your learners want, right? It mm. makes sense. It's a fit. Then you could look at investing in the annual because that's another place where a lot of people lose a lot of money. I just saved one of our prospective customers thousands of dollars because, again, we're not a learning management system, right? You know, so we're not biased, right? Mm -hmm. When you talk to a learning management system, nothing wrong with them. They're doing their job. They're trying to get people into their learning management system. They're trying to get them to fit their mold. Right. But this learning management system wanted to put them in a three year contract of like 30 grand a year. Mm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're just getting into this. You don't even know what your learners want. What are you doing? That's no, don't do that. Right. Let's yeah. figure out our learners. Let's find a, a, a technology that we believe is going to be not just a good fit for our learners, but also from the administrative side, what you guys need as a business. Then we're going to get the free trial. Then we're going to do month to month for two or three months. And only then, if it makes sense, then we'll look at getting the annual or the longer term commitment where we do save money. For example, we did the free trial with Kajabi. Then we went to month to month. And it took us about eight months before we decided to go annual because it was the right fit. Yeah, even all the features that you mentioned, if you were to get those separately, it's quite yeah, a bit. It adds up, up uh, especially even a website that has, you know, capacity to store all your courses and things like that, that ends up adding up on hosting. A hundred percent, you know, and, it, you know, even 
love WordPress, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, I, I want to get a nicer thing, right? You got to pay for that. Oh, I need to get that widget. Got to pay for that. Oh, I need this integration. Got to pay for that. Need hosting. Got to pay for that. Oh, need, I need somewhere for my videos. So I need Vimeo or, or YouTube. Got to, well, YouTube, you don't have to pay for that, but you, uh, Vimeo, got to pay for that. MailChimp, right? you, know, so, <laughs> you, you got to pay for that. Right? You know, you got to pay for everything. Right. And that really, really starts that up. And again, we've made the mistakes. We've been there. We did the whole WordPress thing and the whole integration thing and the one, thousand different types of softwares that we have to bring together so you're talking to a company that has done it that has learned from it and we don't want you to go through it like we did <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great that's good. Well, before before we get to close out hector um would you like to leave your information with where our listeners and viewers can find all of the you know information and everything your website um social media links linkedin any of that any upcoming events yeah, new projects absolutely i appreciate that so much guys first which i will definitely provide is our free master class uh gypsy and classic i will give you guys a link so people can go directly there and you get instant access right you know there isn't a 17 minute application form right you literally <laughs> click the big green button that says free masterclass, you put in your email and boom, you have instant access to the free masterclass. And you nice. always have instant access to the free masterclass. Again, that whole masterclass, again, it is free. It's all about how to build, launch, uh, and successfully a course by understanding the three pillars of e-learning where we take you through, through real exercises, identifying those learner challenges, identifying PLPs, perfect learner profiles. That's what we call our learners, right? And we do those exercises with you. So I'll share that with you. Uh, the next thing is, is please um, go to our YouTube channel, um, subscribe, and most importantly, and this goes Gypsy Classic and everybody listening, we want to help. So please submit and tell us, Hector, we, we've seen all the content. We currently right now have over 40 pieces of content. We went from releasing one piece to two pieces. We're now at three. We're about to go to four, right? Please tell us, what are your biggest challenges with e-learning? What are your biggest unknowns? We want to hear from you. So please email us or drop us a comment on in YouTube or you know LinkedIn or whatnot. Please tell us what content you want us to create, and we will create it for you and post it on YouTube for you and for the world to see. So free masterclass, our YouTube channel currently called e-learning simplified, and it will be called e-learning partners in the near future, um, which I'll also drop a link for as well. I will drop my personal link to my LinkedIn um, because I love connecting with people. If you want to have a conversation, let's schedule a conversation. We'd love to hear any aspirations that you have uh, with, uh, with e-learning. Um, and also I'll drop our company website. Uh, and then last but not least, um, Kajabi. We love it. I will drop our affiliate link in there. Um, it is, uh, it, there's typically an extended trial period if you want to check it out. And if you decide to purchase, and if you don't, that's totally fine. But if you decide to purchase, it's no more to you as well. Uh, but definitely check out Kajabi, at least as a potential contender, uh, if you're developing a course to sell. We appreciate that. And for the listeners, everything he's mentioned will be in the description for you guys. And Hector, thank you so much for yes, coming you. on and you know teaching us about e-learning partners and we appreciate um, your energy as well yeah i've personally taken so many online courses um because as a developer you always have to upskill and learn new things so 
it's yeah. uh i've I could say I've thought about creating my own courses, so this you've given me some things to think about. So yeah. right here from Woo-hoo! us in the future. <laughs> and if you're ever in that LA, is awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're ever in LA, definitely come in for uh in studio um recording. interview recording. You know, we'll have you again. I would love that. Yeah. I would love that. Um Gypsy Classic, this has been amazing. I can't Thank you guys enough, you know, for me, from our team, for having us on your show. Um, honestly, it's been an honor, a pleasure, uh, and we can't that. thank you enough. We're excited. We love what you guys are doing. Uh, we love your message. We love the impact that you guys are having, the inspiration that you're giving all the listeners, you know, to your show. Uh, and it's just amazing to be a part of that journey. So we want to thank you uh, for everything as well. We thank you. appreciate, we appreciate it. it. And for the listeners, you can find us at uh, on all podcast platforms and YouTube, as well as AmericanGypsy.com. We have all the episodes, guest information, video, audios, um, links to our merch at LuamLee.com. We have consistent self-improvement merchandise. And we also have some music you can check out under Classic Carpenter, K-L-A-C-C-I-K-C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. That's on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Tidal, all other major platforms. Um, Some cello music, some instrumental stuff, and also some vocal music. And you can also check out the uh, lyric video for one of my singles, Girl Hurry Up. That's on the YouTube that we mentioned earlier. Thank you again, Hector. We will be in touch about our, or when we get ready to go back to Greece sometime yeah. <laughs> soon, hopefully. <laughs> and we appreciate everything. Appreciate you for coming on the show. Thank you to all our listeners, supporters, donators. We really appreciate all the support, consistent self-improvement to everyone and peace. And peace.